Welcome to the Speak Game Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakgamepodcast.com. Also on BitChute and YouTube, Speak Game Podcast. We also have the Awakening Podcast, Meditation Podcast, Learn Polish Podcast, and the Crypto Podcast. And all can be found on rycon.com. Today, my guest from Singapore, please welcome Marcus Chu. Thanks so much, Roy. I'm very honored to be on this podcast and I'm very excited to have be having this conversation with you. I always enjoy speaking to fellow podcasters. So you might let the listeners know who's Marcus. Yeah, sure. So I, I actually run a, a another podcast for, or, or rather my own podcast, uh, mainly targeted for site hustlers called High Performance Hacks for Site Hustlers. Uh, maybe a bit of context as to why that was the case, because I actually started off... Um, helping people in the high performance space, you know, in, in like mindset, productivity, performance, uh, and slowly I graduated towards helping site hustlers with the business strategy as well. Uh, so kind of merge those different elements into this one entire thing that I have now. So obviously with the coaching and everything and the podcasting, you know, public speaking is okay for you, but, uh, you know, Marcus as a little boy, how was he? How did you get it? How, what was your kind of break into the speaking world? Yeah, I mean, I think if, I mean, like, like if we're having this conversation now, it might not seem like I am afraid of public speaking. I'm afraid of going on lives or whatever, but uh, kid you not, um, when I was very, very young, I was actually maybe not when I was very young, but when I was a, at a younger age, I was actually a very shy person. To the point, I always tell people that when I go to order food, for example, you know, you got to queue for the food, uh, you got to wait until your turn. I would literally be repeating my orders in my head like multiple times just so I can get it right. Uh, but even I, if, even when I do that, when I reach the counter, right, because of the pressure of people queuing up behind me, I would still like stutter on my words and, you know, uh, quickly order something and, and just get out of the way. And, and that was like the extent of how shy and how bad I was at really like just interacting with people in general. Um, so if you're asking how bad I was, I, I would say I was really, really bad when I first started off. <laughs> no, I actually, I remember similar because I mean, I was extremely shy as well, but I remember, you know, you said that, that you go in and if you were like going to a chipper, getting something, making an order, the same thing, you, you know what you want. And when you get to the counter, panic kicked in and you just like... Exactly, you know, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I no longer do that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, for, for myself as well, I, I've kind of slowly... I, I guess there was kind of like a stage when you were younger, right? When you're still not too familiar with a lot of things, but I guess it improves along with, with age and with experience and everything. So I know you've got, it's like side hustle coach. So I presume you've coined that term. There's no such thing. Or is there such a thing that those people call themselves side hustle coaches? Yeah. So, I mean, basically what I help people in, right, is I help aspiring on new coaches and consultants. So I actually a bit more targeted towards the service-based side hustles because if you think about side hustles, it's a very huge space, right? There's like e-commerce, there's like drop shipping, there's like investing. Uh, but I, I kind of tailored it towards the, the service-based side of things because that's kind of where I grew, started my business and grew my business as well. Uh, so when it comes to side hustle coach, essentially what I'm saying is I'm helping people uh, specifically, so aspiring on new coaches and consultants start their own online business. Yeah, so I kind of help them in mindset, business strategies, and self-management tools, just so they can manage their business on the site without burning out. I think that's really the whole point. 
No, very good. So for me, I think everything is mindset because if you have the proper mindset, you can kind of achieve anything. So how do you help your people with mindset? Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's a huge topic, right? And I think the, the funniest thing about mindset is kind of like a ever-evolving space that you kind of explore for yourself. But I think uh, a huge part of it is always about awareness, right? I always say that when before you need to improve your mindset or improve anything in particular, the first point or the first thing that you really need to understand is about yourself and how you function, right? So, so that clarity, that self-awareness really comes into play to understand in which areas are you falling short before then you can take actions towards um, improving them. So it's kind of like blind spots, right? A lot of people, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know uh, in, in which areas are their mindset even not as good as, right? And I think that that's where you really need to, many, many different ways you can go about it, right? Either you do a lot of self-reflection, you have someone guide you in the right direction, you hire a coach or, you know, you speak to your friends, but I think from all those, you, you kind of understand more about yourself. You gain that clarity, you gain that awareness. And then you can start taking, uh, once you know where you're at, then you can start thinking of what are the actions you can then take to improve your mindset in those areas. So I think, for example, a, a very common one is um, limiting beliefs, right? When you're first getting started, you think you're not good enough. The mindset is all over the place. They're they are thinking, oh, I don't have anything to offer to others. Right. The, the, the first part of it is, again, the awareness that they don't even know that's where they're tripping themselves up. Right? When, when they're afraid to reach out to people, they don't see that it's because they're telling themselves that. That's why they are not able to put themselves out there. And it's only after they recognize that. And then we can think about, okay, what can we then do now to shift that mindset towards telling ourselves that we're good enough or we're, we're experienced enough in a particular area to then bring value to others i think a coach is very good for that or kind of like a peak performance partner somebody that you can bounce ideas from because you know because like sometimes people that might be they're watching the pennies and they're you know they don't want to be investing in a coach but i think you know, some people they're just chasing around the whole time and they don't really kind of think of that whereas the other person is looking outside and they're over. They're not, they're not in the same headspace as you and they can throw these questions. And then once it's, it's out there, then you can start thinking and then making plans of how to actually, you know, do it properly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even for myself, when I first got started, I was all over the place. I was getting very overwhelmed of all the different options that I could be diving into. Right. And I, and I had to work with my own coach as well to, to get everything started, to put myself in the right mindset, the right space before I could, you know, get started on my own business. So I think, yeah, like, like you said, I think having a coach really helps guide you in the right direction and really accelerates that entire process. And what's a typical, because like some people, I know that there's some of the listeners, they want to be coaches or they are coaches and they want to kind of, you know, improve and, Others perhaps need a coach. So how often is a coach needed? Is it a weekly thing? Is it a couple of times a week or once a month? What's kind of for your business anyway? What's, what's, and when you got it yourself, what's, what do you advise? That's an interesting question. I haven't exactly thought about how often people do actually need it, but from my experience and what I help my clients in, it's usually on a weekly basis. Uh, just so we can kind of accelerate the process, right? I think this one also comes down to how fast you want to go. And it depends on your schedule as well. If you're, you're super busy, you don't have that, that spare time, maybe bi-weekly might work better. 
Uh, but I think the main objective of having that coach is to provide accountability, right? So having someone guiding you on a weekly basis just helps you to read correct your course if you're, you're going wrong in the wrong direction on a weekly basis and that helps you stay the path a lot better as opposed to then the free compared to the frequency in which you meet so i i don't think there's a specific like how often is is the best i think it's more so uh what is required for you at that point in time because maybe when you're just starting out you you do need someone to literally hold you by the hand and walk down the entire thing. But whereas as you get more experience, it's more of um, fine tuning over uh, a longer period of time, right? So then maybe on a monthly basis, that might work as well. I know that you, you, you've done a workshop. It's finding your side hustle ideas. So you might tell me <laughs> about the workshop itself and then how you structure your workshop. Right. So um, I think the, the reason for why I created that workshop to begin with was because back then I, I kind of haven't exactly dived down into helping coaches and consultants specifically. I was kind of helping people in side hustles generally. And one of the main problems that people faced was how to find their, their hustle idea, right? What, what's that particular opportunity that they can dive into? So when I created that workshop, then it was to help them guide through that self-awareness journey as well as um, some strategies and tools to help them then find that idea. So I, I usually always start off by asking them more about um, themselves, right? What are their strengths? What are their skills? And I have this framework called the triple S formula, uh, story, strengths, and skills. It's kind of like uh, if you're familiar with Ikigai, right? It's, it's kind of like an adaptation of that form. Uh, but the only difference is the story elements kind of in incorporate things like your passion, your purpose, uh, your vision, and the likes. So by using that formula, uh, I then guide people through how they can actually find their idea, right? So if you're, if you're talking about, uh, you're asking about the structure, right? So it's, it's literally um, understanding more about their strengths, their skills, and then using that framework to hone in on that sweet spot between the story, the strengths, and the skills. When people are starting off, like some people, they're kind of working as in a corporation, let's say, and they, you know, they want to begin the road and finding the clients. So I know you talk about that. So you might, you know, landing your first paid clients, basically, what advice would you give people for that? I think one of the main problems underlying that is kind of like the, the chicken and egg problem, right? When you're first getting started, you think you need to have the proof to get clients, but you kind of need the clients to get the proof as well. And I think that's where people get stuck and, and they feel like because they're not good enough, they can't reach out to people because they don't have any proof that they've been able to drive any results. Uh, but when, when you dive into coaching, I always say that you're essentially helping people through the problems that you once faced. Right. So you're your best version of that testimonial, of, of that proof that it has worked out. But of course, people still do want to see social proof. Uh, and one way I would say to, to work around that is then to either work with people on, on a beta basis or, or even for free, just to get that experience, just to get that proof backing up before you then work towards your first paid client. So I don't think there's any particular like shortcut or, or magic formula around that. It's just really getting experience, gaining the confidence in yourself, and then you know, putting yourself out there to then secure that first paid client. So if you're not confident of being able to deliver the results first, by, by all means, go work with someone for free uh, for a few sessions, see what they like, tweak your sessions accordingly. And then from there, as you build up your experience, you build up your social proof, 
then you can start pitching for, for your first paid client, right? And then obviously there's a lot of, I guess, more tactical stuff in between, like, you know, building up your personal brand, reaching out to people. But I say, I would say generally the, the main thing is really to make sure that uh, you start working with people regardless on what basis and then using that to make sure that everything is uh, effective to the point where you can then work with your first paid client. I'm currently preparing um, a podcasting course because obviously, you know, you've heard I've got five podcasts and I know, yeah. I know, I, you know, I know I'm good at it and they're, they're in the charts. They're doing well in the charts. But what I've done is I've created kind of the modules and got a few people in and, you know, free, basically people I trust that wanted exactly. to start the podcast. And I said, look, just give me feedback and then give me, a, that's all I'll ask as a testimony, you know, that they give me a decent testimony. But I know that, you know, it's helped. And just by sometimes you, you make an assumption on the message you're giving across and it's better to kind of trial it with a few people instead of blasting it out there and, you know, not necessarily hitting the sweet spot with some people. And like the, the, the thing is, a lot of people forget as well. Like I, I had a, a podcast recently and the guy said trying to get perfectionism, you know, that like and it's not because. Like, just say, once this is launched, I'll constantly be improving it. And that's it goes for any business. You don't just put it out there and go, oh, I should have done this, or maybe I could have added this. You can adjust everything. You know, you can have version two, version three, version 3.2, and just constantly improve. But the main thing is you get it out there instead of just procrastinating and just, uh, you know, putting it off. Yeah, I think that that's a, one of the main problems that I see, even with my own clients as well. They're always thinking like, oh, I can improve this, this title. I can improve this session. I can improve this program. But I'm telling them, you know, before you even put it down there to work with actual clients, you don't actually know whether what you're including is effective or not. So, so I love what you said about putting it out there, letting people trial, right? I think that's the best way to go about it because then you can get real feedback into, you know, Sometimes we create from the perspective of our ourselves and we think this is needed or this is not needed. Whereas when actual clients or actual people try it and then they're like, oh, I, I feel like I need more help in this particular area. I feel like I need more help in, in that particular area. And then that's how we can tweak and improve all, through experimentation. Yeah. I'm just curious, what's your advice when somebody actually is, is ready to try, you know, get into paid clients? Are they doing it organically or do you suggest paid because i mean i know you can do paid now on instagram facebook linkedin and google and all that what's your advice to people because it, it applies not just for the coaching but if they're trying to get speaking gigs as well exactly um i think that this is quite coincidental because i was actually talking about this recently but um i think there there's an increasing amount of people talking about like attraction tactics Right, you know, you build up your personal brand, you put out content, you attract people to them. Um, I would say for now, most of my approach have been on the free end, but a mix between both attraction strategies as well as uh, outbound outreach. Right, so I, I wouldn't say you should dive into the paid ones, especially when you're just starting out, because you know your your positioning is not clear, your messaging is not clear, your program might not even be refined. If you're putting out there, you're getting a lot of leads, but you might not be able to convert them. Exactly. And a lot of people struggle with that, you know, yeah, you could right. have the best <laughs> marketing ever. And then it's like, yeah, you know, unless you yeah, yeah. come so, across so competent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I would suggest uh, using the free channels first, but 
um, not just relying on putting out content and expecting people to come to you, but you also taking the initiative to reach out to people, to connect to people. It, it doesn't necessarily need to be to sell people, right? But it could be to build relationships, build connections. But I think sometimes people fall into the trap of, oh, just because I put out content, people will come and find me. And, and you know, I think especially at the start, you definitely need to take some initiative to reach out to people, uh, be it just to connect, to build relationships, build connections. And I think that's how you, you also get more eyeballs on your own content and you start to build a bigger community. I just, I'm not sure if you've experienced this, but I've had with different things. Once you go down the paid route, they kind of stop your organic route because they want you to be a, a, you know, a, a customer for life, basically. They're happy you're paying them. So then they stop when you turn off the tap because sometimes you, know, you might say, okay, I'll try this for a month. But then when you stop, before your traction goes way down because they've they, they changed the algorithms. They don't want you to do that. Facebook have been caught doing that. Google have been caught doing that. And I mean, since Facebook on Instagram, it's going to be the same thing. So just be aware of that. I know that, you know, sometimes you think you're you're on a winning streak and you know it can go against you but what i would suggest is split testing as well because sometimes the picture mm. you know the picture is what grabs people at the start and you know sometimes people use the text and you know my experience and i mean you're a podcaster yourself and you know, you've probably seen some of the things that you put out there and it's the pictures that grab people's attention first of all and then they'll decide whether this is of interest and you know i've been playing with that a lot because i i love marketing and i i just i've read I don't know how many books, lots of books on marketing and copywriting. And I found right. the title, you put up, you know, a catchy title and I use capital letters for each word and everyone, don't overdo that. No, it grabs your attention and it works. And I actually had read it later, someone advising to do that. And the other thing is just, a, you know, the fancy picture. Like, I mean, for podcasts, I've had a, a guy choking me because he done Craig Mega and I put that picture up, Went, you know, <laughs> Whereas if I just put up a picture with somebody standing next to me, nobody will know him. No, they, if they know me, they know me. But in general, when you're trying to reach it out, but that will grab your attention. You go, what's going on there? So I think yeah, no matter what sure. your business, I mean, I know sometimes trying to be professional and everything, you know, you're getting, uh, try to be creative, grab the attention. Like right. I say, see in your picture, you have the yellow background, you know, with both, uh, one of the pictures on the thing and one with the side hustle it grabs your attention i mean I've, i i noticed that from when i got into clubhouse that you know people had the circle and i, I did it for a while and i just went back to now i got out of club i just felt it started off <laughs> but what i noticed is the people started having the circle with the red around it or the yellow mm -hmm. around it because it's like if there's 200 heads you, you your attention goes to that so even things like that it makes a huge difference yeah definitely so what else have you uh what i like advise people to do when you know when they're when they're getting started basically because you know i'm i know that there's a lot of people that want to get out especially in these crazy times as people losing their jobs due to no fault of their own you know because of all this corruption going on around the world and you know they want to you know put a roof over their head and put food on the table so there's a fair factor as well in, in people to making the, the initial jump yeah, for sure. I think um, what, what I usually advise for people to do, or, or rather this is my own perspective, right? I think um, the reason why I'm also more passionate about side hustles per se is because it gives people the alternative possibilities 
right? It's not necessarily, you know, you know how some people say you, you have to go all in and, you know, put all your eggs in one basket and just try that out. But I think um, th- there has to be a, a balance of um, practicality as well. Right. I, I totally agree we... with that. And I'm sorry to interject <laughs> because when I hear people say do that, if you drop your basket, all your eggs are broken. So just be careful of that. Yeah. So so I, I think that that's also why the, the side hustle space is like is like booming, right? Because you, you kind of give yourself that space to fail, to grow, to learn. And and I think when you're first starting out, when you're starting something on the side, especially, it's very valuable to give yourself the space to experiment, to learn more about yourself you know, like your strengths, your skills and, and those different things that, that you think you can foresee yourself doing for a long time. Uh, what I feel most for people is they, they just chase the money. They just chase the opportunities. And after a while, when the money doesn't come, because it's not going to come for a while, right? Especially if you're starting a business of yourself. And then the, you start falling to the, the shiny object syndrome. You're like, oh, that, that can make more money. Let me jump to that. Or, or that can make a bit more money. Then let me jump to that, right? And, and I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes. I think I, I, find, I found myself falling crap too, right? I tried blogging. I, I didn't really work out because I clearly didn't like writing enough to be releasing an article on a weekly basis, right? And, and I tried like e-commerce and I, I joined my friend in a startup selling watches and I realized I, I didn't like watches enough to be doing that. But, but it was because I tried those different things that I eventually settled on, on what I'm doing now that I enjoy, you know, helping people, asking questions, guiding people towards the direction. So I think, uh, especially if you're starting something on the side, give yourself that space to go and experiment, uh, but don't just chase the opportunities. Try to, because you still have that luxury of probably having uh, income from your, from your full-time role, right? Give yourself that space to experiment, learn more about yourself, learn more about what you can potentially do for a long time. Otherwise, it might potentially just end up as a second job, right? And it's not something that you want to hop into into the first place. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I mean to, to sum up the, the entire thing, I would say uh, if you have the luxury of first having a job that still get, guarantees you some sort of security, uh, for your side hustle, take a bit more risk. Try to understand more about what you, you enjoy, what you like from your passions, and then try to turn that into profits, uh, opportunities, and then just just try out different things and see what sticks at the end of the day exactly and i remember years ago because i moved 14 years ago to poland but prior to that when i was setting up the company i changed from five days to three days and if they don't want you to leave they'll allow you to do that so sometimes you know you can when you see you've got a bit of traction and a bit of business but you don't want to you know cut off what's feeding you you know you can always reduce and you know, maybe take one day off, take two days off. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, uh, and the other thing, I mean, you mentioned about, uh, you know, the different businesses that you've got involved, like the blogging and uh, online <laughs> selling, you know, with, with the watches. I, I assume you didn't have the time for the watches business. You know, so <laughs> what, what, what I would say for that is like a lot of people, they knock themselves if, if something fails. And they never do it again. They go back to the corporate world. And everyone I know, like a lot of people, they're afraid to actually announce their failures because it's like, oh, bad you. Everybody, like any entrepreneur you know, then most of them have 10 to 100 failures before. And like you mentioned as well about do something that you're passionate about. I tell people, make sure Monday morning you're jumping out of bed, not Sunday night worried about, oh no, Monday is coming. 
because <laughs> so many people you know that's how they live and they tend to be in the corporate environment unfortunately you know and it's like if you feel that don't chug through life thinking that this is how my life should be change it to something that Every day is, you know, like, I mean, if it's a weekend, I'm still podcasting. I mean, I do, like, I love the podcasting. You know, I'm editing, I'm recording. I'm, it, it, it's never a job for me. And, you know, it's, it's a pleasure. And when you find something, because, I mean, you can get into this. I mean, I was doing the real estate and I was doing management. So we had a load of clients and I, eventually it sucked the energy out of me. And I said, I want to get rid of this one. And so, you know, like, as I say to people, you're not a tree, you can move. So when something, you can build up something, whether it's to sell it or just, you know, because sometimes not every business is sellable, but you can just, you know, pivot and go off in a different direction. But when you find something is actually no longer enjoyable, even if it's making loads of money, I wouldn't, like you have to, life is about enjoying every moment. And if you hate your job, why do it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I think I always come across, you know, like people, um, I mean, we have seven, seven days in a week, right? And people allocate like five days of the, of the life or per week to something that they don't enjoy. And um, clearly, I mean, for, for me personally, that's not something that I, that I totally align with, which is why I'm, I'm trying out different things on my own. But I, I also want to touch on the point that you brought up earlier about the, the failure, right? I think, I guess that's, that's unfortunately how, we've been brought up I, I'm not sure about you but at least for me in Singapore with, with the education that we grew up in failure it's obviously not something that's that's very pretty or, or talked about and I think that definitely has to shift because um, only when we start to recognize failure as, as nothing more than just a mistake and, and an opportunity for us to learn uh, we if, if we choose to cast that aside then we will never be able to take enough risk to then enjoy the things that we want to do because I think in, in a lot of the things that we eventually want to do or be successful in, I think it definitely requires a bit of failures for you to discover things along the way before you're even able to, to reach that goal of yours. Absolutely. And I mean, like, it, like all you have to do is think of a child. You know, a child walking falls down how many times? You don't go, hey, stop, you're not going to walk again. You know, it's yeah. just, it's failure. And I mean, you can read a load of books. And I encourage people, because like, even say with the podcast, I mean, I've read now more, you know, but I remember at the time something like seven books. And I you know I really researched it. And you can do that because that definitely helps. But nobody teaches you the pain points are just... You just have to do it and, you know, and you can like, you know, have a coach as well. So if you're in that position that you can afford to have a coach as well as doing it, you're, you know, you're kind of allowing yourself to succeed more, but even if it doesn't just say, yeah, next. Okay. That didn't work. And sometimes people are afraid to throw in the towel as well. So, you know, it's like the old Titanic, the sinking ship, Ah, it'll be grand, you know. You know, <laughs> I'm sure it'll come up, you know. So you have to kind of acknowledge that as well. And sometimes having the right circle of people around you, because there's others that are just negative, and no matter what you do, they'll just try, yeah. try, try to, you know, throw stones at you. I mean, sometimes they're family members, so you can't do much. You can't kind of cut the ties with them. But surround yourself with the right groups, and even getting into, like, say, I'm not sure if they've got that in Singapore, like BNI. I remember I did that at the start, and I found that, that that helpful as well. You know, that you're basically in an organization where you've all different. Like, you could have a coach. You could have me. So I was doing real estate. 
you know, car salesperson, insurance, and you're all an accountant, solicitor, and you're all trying to get each other work and you're going on the table. And that helps as well, because then you've got 20 people out there. Yeah, yeah, you have to invest in it. I think, I don't know, it's about a thousand euro a year or something like that, you know, maybe more now. But it's a small investment for having more salespeople and you build up the relationship. But with that, I mean, I've seen two kind of sides to that. Some people go in there expecting business to just run at them and don't even think of the others. But if you go in there with a giving mindset that yeah. I'm going to help all these different people, like I hear someone looking for a coach, Marcus is a good guy here. And and just by doing that, and people will see it as well. I mean, I, I done very well in BNI and I would encourage stuff like that. I mean, there's other organizations that are, you know, they're, they're free. There's just groups getting together, meet up and stuff like that. But I would encourage that. Is that something that you would kind of, tell clients to to get involved yeah i mean i i think the aspect on environment definitely plays a huge factor right? i think if you could just imagine if you were to be in a room together with other people who are all playing video games versus in a room with other people all working on their own business strategizing brainstorming i think you know it's so much different and i think for myself as well i i now have an accountability group as well that I kind of meet up every week to just talk through our problems, you know, solve what, see how we can help each other. Like you said, I think that has been really, really good because, you know, some weeks you just, uh, it can get quite lonely, especially when you're, when you're just starting out doing it yourself alone and having that kind of company who are like-minded, who are going in that same direction as you really helps to just um, give you that extra boost that you need whenever you're facing a roadblock. Exactly. So with uh, your podcast, is it 45 or 46 episodes that you've got? You've So you didn't throw in the towel after three because there's a load of people, they get to three and then they just go, oh, I've had enough. So you're, you're fair. So what made you start the podcast? And is it always guests that you've got or have you done some solo ones as well? Um, I've done some solo ones, especially at the start. So if you look at my podcast, the initial ones, the initial few were actually under another name called Journey North. So that, uh, given by the name, I, I guess you could kind of interpret that back then I was kind of still figuring out my path, right? I was still deciding what to do, what I wanted to dive into. That was post, uh, quitting that, that startup, that watch startup that I was talking about. Uh, I was speaking to a lot of different people trying to decide what I wanted to do. So, um, it was only after I after I transitioned into what I'm doing now that I changed the podcast name. Uh, but even back then, I was interviewing guests. I was doing a bit of solo episodes. But uh, for now, primarily, I, I speak with guests uh, because I find you know speaking to, to guests really uh, not just helping my audience, but also helping me. Like I learn a lot from my guests and, and through their sharing as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I know other stuff because the ones I was listening to, you know, you're asking the questions, but I, I find that's how... The listeners are benefiting because it, the questions you have, a lot of people will have, you know, and they, they share it. like the, the recent episode that you had. I just liked it. I mean, it's something that I do and I apply, but I've, I've noticed that loads of people don't. And it's where you give attention to your family because I see so many successful. I, I, I wonder how you define successful people because sometimes the people determine it by their bank book, and which unfortunately <laughs> all these top people at the moment, you know, Bezos and they're, they're judging them by their bank balance and being in the, you know, the fortune, the top richest people in the world. That's nothing to me. It's a, you know, it's all about, you know, look after if you've got children that you're spending time with them, 
not that you've the money to buy them everything they want, computer games. Child doesn't want that. Child wants you to go out and play football or sit down and paint a picture or do something. And, you know, it's just make sure that you have the balance because I think in business, and this is kind of, this kind of around the topic that we're talking about. Like sometimes people, they say, I need to do the 80 hours and I need to do this and I need to do that. Like, I think it's more about be efficient, like finding ways to do stuff a lot faster and better. And like, say, even in the podcasting, I mean, things that I've done, I mean, I'm constantly shrinking the time that it's taking. So like, I have like the checklist that's, you know, you would have felt like everybody fills out. And what I started putting in then was give me the bio that you want in the podcast description, because I found that was taking me a lot of time to go away and look at their websites because I'd have, you know, that's not something till I'm putting up the podcast that I'm putting in more information about the guest. So it's a lot better that you give me that because you're going to say exactly what you want. Whereas I could extract something and you mightn't be that happy. You might go, I don't like the fact that he said that. And sometimes you might even say it to me, some people will say, can you write this? Can you write that? But no, I have it. And it just speeds up. And I just look at that all the time. The other thing I do is schedule the podcast. So I have them edited and they're up in the system and they go out automatically. And I haven't done it with all of them, but I started playing around with it. And I said, okay, this really helps me speed up the process. And I think you need to do that with everything in life. And especially if you're doing a new business, how can I shrink it up? You know, just constantly, how can I make this better? And, you know, we're, like we mentioned about being in the right circle, because sometimes your spouse or whatever, whether male or female, whatever, sometimes it's, they just don't get it. And you can't have that conversation. And if anything, they might suck the energy when you're trying to bounce ideas off them. So find people that you can. And somebody will have done it or they'll throw it, even if it's hiring, if you're growing a business, someone will say, okay, do it this way, do it this way. And by by just being in the right circle, you know, you're you're kind of helping yourself towards success, I believe. Yeah, for sure. And I and I think to, to bounce off the point about success, right? I think uh increasingly what I found is that it is really up to us on how we want to define success, right? Like it, it really means differently to different people. For example, for for some, for me personally, I, I value a lot of like family time. I value happiness, you know, I, I value being able to, to spend time to do the things that I want. But whereas, you know, someone else might, might value going on trips, you know, like traveling the world, meeting other people from other cultures and, and things like that. So while there is the, the societal expectations of success, I think it's up to us whether we choose to live up to that in, in, in some way, right? It's up to us how we want to define that for ourselves. I, I keep telling people, you be you, because a lot of the times people are looking at all these kind of gurus and you know whoever that they aspire to be, and they try to replicate it. Why? <laughs> you be you. You do what makes you happy. What what gives you a bounce in your step in the morning? And like, and I know we kind of touched on it, but too many people forget that. It's like like I have a thing called life book, and it's like, what do you want in your life? And you. You plan it out. So how many times, you know, people, they plan a vacation because you said some people like to travel around the world or whatever. And even if it's just the people that take the one vacation a year, they can spend so much time planning everything. Same with a car, spend so much time. And you ask them about their life. What's your plan? What's your aim? What's your... I don't know. They just chug through life. I'll do my Monday to Friday and work. 
I get extremely drunk Friday and Saturday. I'd be depressed <laughs> on Sunday and then back again. And it's like Groundhog Day. And it's like, you'll have Groundhog Day if that's what you do. But if you choose to make a pivot, to change in your life what you want, write it down. Okay, what, what kind of character do I want? What kind of parent do I want to be? What kind of spouse do I want to be? Whatever it is. And just list it down and then you can change, you know, because if you're conscious of something, you can modify it. Whereas if you're not, you just chug through life. Yeah. And, and I think to, to, to touch on that point as well, I think it's a lot of fear involved because change is uncomfortable, you know, moving towards the, the better version of yourself is uncomfortable. But I, I always tell this to people who, especially those who are feeling afraid or like if they want to overcome their fears. Uh, what I always tell myself is to, to ask myself, what's the worst that could happen, right? And, and also on the flip side, what would happen if I so decide to take the action? Because a lot of people, when they, they feel fear and they don't take the action, they're thinking of what might go wrong, but they don't think of what might go right. You know, for example, if you take the leap to, to overcome your fears and take the action to start your business, right? If it goes wrong, it fails. And, and that's what all people think about, right? People judging you, uh, the, the fear of judgment, the fear of loss, right? Uh, but on the flip side, if you think about then, what if it succeeds, right? If it succeeds, it's going to bring you the business that you love. It's going to bring you the money that you want. It's going to bring you maybe even the fame that you desire for. Uh, but people don't think enough about that. They're only looking at the negatives without considering the positives. If you think positive, you attract positive. If you think negative, you attract negative. And it's the same with circle of friends, the conversations you have. I find that all these people that are talking every negative and doom and gloom and reading people, they're always saying, why is my life so bad? And the people that are just <laughs> smiling, laughing and joking, they surround with themselves with other people that are smiling, laughing and joking. And they just enjoy life. And, you know, if if you do have a hiccup, because life is full of hiccups, there's nothing that's just going straight forward. You know, there's nothing that's always up. You will get slapped. But the thing is, when you're surrounding yourself with the right people, they lift you up. And even, you know, when there's times when they're not around or whatever, you can lift yourself up because, you know, you're, you're kind of ready for it. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, totally. So finally, because I know that with kind of promoting yourself, I'm it's something the social media because we touched on the paid kind of thing but for the organic stuff the different ones there's, there's so many things out there now between telegram groups whatsapp groups instagram tiktok linkedin the whole lot <laughs> i mean i'm bamboozled and if i like if you ask me do i know what's right i mean there's one the facebook on the polish one it's hit a million on the speaking no I, and I, I i tell my audience why aren't why aren't you watching the videos <laughs> but you're listening you're listening which is good that's the most important thing but you know the, the videos and on other channels as well and you know sometimes you put up something and you go what's going on here and it does massive and another one tiny numbers so what's your ones your goal to social media and have you any tips on it uh, for now my main platform is actually instagram uh secondarily really, i'm actually building up on linkedin uh but for me i think instagram has been a very good platform to just build up my personal brand because it's a lot easier to to connect with people and the way Instagram is built is because there's a feed, right? So people can literally go onto there, scroll through whatever you have posted, uh, literally your entire life as opposed, to, as opposed to LinkedIn, where there isn't so much of a feed and it's more of like constant updates. Uh, but for me, what has really worked on Instagram is to really reach out to the people, not just the ones who I want to sell to per se, but also the ones who I want to learn from. 
right, for collaborations from that, like, like I mentioned earlier, right? Um, I, I think it's great platform to just connect with another person, especially people around my age and my generation on a more personal level, because everybody's on there anyway, people are just scrolling, you know, just, just sometimes mindlessly scrolling even. Uh, but, but it gives you the opportunity to just connect with people, uh, learn more about them, learn more about, you know, how you can potentially help them. So I always like to ask them, you know, how can I help you? What are some problems that you're facing? What could I potentially help value add to you? Just starting all those conversations. Instagram really provides a great platform for, for us to do so. And I think if you go out and, and interact with people with the intention to help them, like you said earlier, to give value, eventually it will come a full circle and come back to us, right? I think uh, we've always come across people who just hard sell you the first thing they see. You know, they just help. You, you can smell them from a mile away, right? But the moment they interact with you, they are just trying to see whether they can sell you. I, I'm the kind of person where I just connect with the intention to connect. And if there so happens to be the opportunity for us to work together, then I will bridge that gap. But otherwise, it, it's just a matter of getting to know one another on a personal basis, see how we can help, see how we can connect and just support each other in the entire bigger community. Just uh, quickly, do you, because sh- I, I don't know, with the Instagram, I started doing it at the start and I just found it wasn't one for me and it's like the Twitter and everything. There's a lot of them that I just kind of don't get them, to be honest with you. But I know you need to work and engage in the conversations. I do that on Facebook and I think it's, it's helped, especially for the Polish one. But do you schedule time for doing your Instagram or is it just when you kind of pick up the phone and just kind of randomly do it? Do you actually say from such a time to such a time on certain days, I'm going to do both. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, I used to be a lot more consistent with this. Uh, but as I got busier, the, the time that I spend on, the, on, on Instagram has kind of fallen short. But I always make it a point, at least once a day, I would definitely uh, reply to all my DMs, mm-hmm. right? For the people who are interacting with me, um, even if it's not within a day, usually within two days, they're they are usually cleared. Uh, so, so that's kind of like the frequency, but on top of that, because I post um, consistently on Instagram as well, every time I post, I will be taking that extra effort to just connect with either new people or, or continue engaging with those uh, who I've already connected with. Perfect. Listen, Marcus, been great talking to you. So how, how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, so uh, like I said earlier, my main platform is Instagram. So you can find me at uh, Marcus Chu. That's M-A-R-C-U-S-C-H-E-U. Uh, on LinkedIn as well, that's the same handle across. I think if um, your audience needs anything uh, related to, to starting or growing their, their service-based site hustle, feel free to reach out to me, DM me, and, and I'm happy to see how I can help. Perfect, perfect. And I'll put uh, it in the podcast description button, the audio and the video. So thank you very much, Marcus. Yeah, thanks so much. It was great speaking with you. So that's all for the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com, on BitChute and YouTube, the Speaking Podcast. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating with a review. It really helps with me in the charts and share with your friends. Until next week, take care.